Hello and welcome back to this podcast on international medical graduate doctors and their transition into training in the NHS. Today, I have Dr. Robert Ametro with me. He is a GP trainer and the Central Differential Attainment Training Program Director working across Yorkshire and the Humber. I came across Rob at the Regional GP Enhanced Induction when he introduced a project he's working on, which is a form called Hello My Story Is. This form was created to encourage supervisors to better understand their IMG trainee colleagues by having a form to guide these conversations around the logistics of IMGs and their transition It aims to improve the support which supervisors can offer to their trainees in their first few months of starting training. Today, Dr. Rob will be giving us an educator's perspective on how we can improve the supportive environment we create around our IMG colleagues. He will also give us more insight from the learning points he gained from his Hello My Story Is project and describe the challenges he has noticed that's commonly faced by trainees and trainers in the IMG transition process. Thank you, Rob, for taking time out today to speak on this podcast. I would like to start off by asking you about your journey to your current role as the Differential Attainment TPD and what it entails. So, hello, Raquel, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, so yes, I'm Robert Amedro. You can call me Rob. I'm originally from Ghana, so I understand certain aspects of IMG's journeys. I came to the UK in '96 to attend Leeds University. So I'm not specifically an IMG, which is why I keep saying I understand parts of the journey, but not all of it. But it also allowed me to realize what advantage I had over the IMGs who joined later after qualifying in other countries. So I went to Leeds University, then I went to Bradford to do my VTS training, which as you know, Bradford is a very diverse community. I was blessed with some trainers who very early on had an idea what some of these issues were. So I've had a lot of experience with medical student training, FY2 teaching, and then I became a trainer in 2014. So I've been a trainer for almost eight to nine years now. I've done some work with Health Education England, so I originally started on a project called the International GP Recruitment Programme. So this was when the government was going out specifically to Europe, Australia and Canada, but mostly Europe, to recruit doctors to come and train as GPs in this country. But what we found was when they came, they still needed preparing to fit into our system. So they'd have a placement for about six months with a practice and do some exams to try and get back into or to join GP training, similar to what the retainers and returners do. And I learned a lot from this group because, and again, I want to emphasize now, this is not about race at all. This is not about white or black. These were white doctors from Europe but they still struggle to fit into this system. So there is something unique about the British system, maybe in every country, but Britain particularly, where our systems and cultures and everything make it really difficult for anybody from outside to join. It's possible to join, but you have to bear certain other things in mind. You have to work that little bit harder at other things outside of clinical medicine alone to help you fit in. So I did the International GP Recruitment Programme for about three years. That folded mostly due to Brexit and and the pandemic. 
and then around that time there was a lot of soul search and reflection and reckoning among he leaders this was around the time when there was the politics in 2020 about racial politics george floyd but it made us all start thinking deeply into inequalities and what we can really do to help in our day-to-day life and as trainers and educators we started thinking wider about these issues so our leaders particularly the deans and people higher than me started these conversations about trying to put in just a bit more help or support towards IMGs now prior to COVID we were already running an enhanced IMG induction with mainly with the performance team Uh, you know schemes would identify trainees with issues in st1 2 or 3 and if they needed extra support they'd be referred to the performance team so the performance team has always been around and they've always known in detail what the issues were with these trainees who perhaps were not achieving uh, specific targets or goals so i worked with the performance team as well we planned the enhanced induction and we were getting to know a lot more about imgs and what it is that causes problems for them. So this new team called the Differential Attainment Team is something HE is doing nationwide. I work for the Yorkshire and Humber section and we got together, they appointed a few of us. So there are Differential Attainment Scheme leads per scheme. There'll be one each per scheme. And then there are a few of us Central Differential Attainment TPDs that cover the whole of Yorkshire and Humber. And our role has evolved from everything we've learned so far, from working with the European doctors, from working with the performance team. And so we're putting in all these measures at the beginning of training rather than waiting for people to fail, maybe, or for people to struggle and be referred to the performance team before offering the support. Things like that we're offering at the beginning. We're offering more enhanced courses for AKT, um, RCA slash CSA, and one of the things we're doing is this form, which you mentioned in your intro. We, we actually we were inspired by the Wessex Deanery, who had already started something called Hello Wessex IMG Supervisor Form. And then we devised this form, which has 41 questions. Um, so there are two arms to it, basically. You start the questionnaire online. The plan is we send it to every STU one. You start the questionnaire and if if you're UK trained, it sends you down one arm of the questionnaire. And if you're trained elsewhere, it sends you down another arm. So there are 31 questions for the UK graduates and 41 questions for the IMG. So there are extra questions for the IMGs. And it was it was very revealing. I mean, we already knew some of these issues, but this allowed us to standardize it, receive loads of questionnaires back and look at the issues at scale and realize actually most of them were saying the same things. There were common running themes throughout and most of the INGs faced similar problems. That's lovely. Thank you for taking us through that journey of how your team and its purpose has evolved. It's great to hear that there's so much being done in the School of GP, and it would be really interesting to see what we could take away and bring to other specialties. You've talked about your Hello My Stories project, and I wanted to know what you felt were the key takeaway learning points from it. We'll start with the beginning. So uptake was not brilliant 
the first lesson was not many of the people, not many of the trainees filled this form and why. So we're trying to find out why. We know there's a lot of information overload when you start in August. Everybody gives you a large, a large folder of loads of things to look at. So we suspect maybe it was just missed by the trainees or they, they were already struggling with hundreds of emails and just didn't see it. So that's one thing. So to try and change that, we're trying to speak to the trainers, the supervisors as well, to encourage their trainees to fill this questionnaire. We also need to tell trainers about it. So at spring and autumn school, which is where trainers go for uh, modules to learn more about other things, we, we have been talking to the trainers about it for them to get their trainees engaged in using this questionnaire. So basically, when you fill this questionnaire online, it gives you a summary in an email of your answers. And we want the trainees to share this with their clinical supervisor, which is crucial, but also the educational supervisor who you're going to be with for three years throughout your training. So it's a useful place to start where they get to actually know you as a trainee. Some of these questions they go into detail and ask questions, which maybe some trainers were asking, but we don't feel many trainers were asking. Because of the way things work, you know, if you're a trainer, you've got a timetable that you've used for the past 12 or 15 years. Every trainee uses that timetable. Everybody gets the same treatment. And that works if everybody is exactly the same standard and needs no extra support. But actually with IMGs, for various reasons, everyone's different. Everyone's different. So until you get to know the trainee, you can't really structure your training program to suit them. The one-size-fits-all approach no longer works, we don't think, particularly with IMGs, because everyone is different. So the first take-home message is for both trainers and trainees, please look at this form. Fill the questionnaire. And it takes about 10, 15 minutes. Some of the questions might be probing. You may choose to answer some of them or leave some of them out if you think it's too probing. But anything is better than nothing in attempting to get to know the trainee. So that was the first learning point. But surprisingly, I don't want this. I don't want to paint just a negative picture. There were a lot of trainees that were very happy with the way things are. Lots of trainees were really happy to move to the UK, really happy to move to England, felt supported in their practice, were happy. But we focused on the ones where perhaps they were not happy or where there were some issues. And then we looked at those in more detail. So do you want me to carry on? I still am talking too much and I feel like that's the wrong thing to do in a consultation. Well, this isn't a consultation. This is a podcast <laughs> and it's your 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 views that I value. But let me help you along with uh, with one question. <laughs> um, you, the GP is too strong in you. <laughs> um, so from this project what do you think you've identified are common challenges faced by IMG trainees in their initial transition okay so we we group them into into various sections so we group them into things we could help with and things we may not easily be able to help with i'll explain why so a lot of the negative, so we some of the questions have self-rating skills So on a scale of one to 10, tell us how comfortable you are. And a lot of the negative responses came from COVID restrictions at the time. So this is the 
2021 August intake, which is the one I've most recently analyzed. I've started looking at the 22 intake, but I haven't got the results completed as yet. So COVID was still an issue in 2021. There were trainees who were working from home, doing telephone consultations, not seeing their supervisors, loneliness, isolation, not having enough of a social network. And so we feel that led to some of the low scores. Now, hopefully, as we all move towards the new normal, hopefully that one issue may be fixed at least. We're doing more face-to-face -face meetings. They're doing more face-to-face -face VTS half-day release. So maybe some of those issues will disappear with time. So that's the one main thing we found. It was really isolating for a lot of people, especially in the first winter where it was very cold. Some of them were not used to it and they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't see anyone. So that, that was some of the issues. The weather is also the second thing we can't change. So we couldn't change the COVID situation and we can't change the weather. The weather is loved and hated in equal measure. Some people really love the snow and the cold. Some really hate it. And some really hated it to the point it made life difficult. So imagine, again, I'll talk about some of the other issues like driving, but imagine not being able to drive, having to get two buses to your placement in the cold or in the rain when you come from a country where it never rains and it's warm all the time. These things can slowly eat at someone and, and these are the issues that affect them. So COVID restrictions and the weather, we couldn't really change, but we hope that talking about it might help. For example, some of the trainees were not adequately prepared for the winter. They never experienced winter, but it would help if, you know, if groups of people, trainees or the educators or, or the TPDs, if somebody talked about how harsh winter could be, how you need to buy appropriate clothing in time, you know, wear the right jacket, gloves, hats, scarves. This sounds silly, but some of the trainees and people I've met are not adequately prepared for the winter. So COVID and the and the weather. Now, there, there were some things we may be able to help with, and I'll list them. So accommodation is a recurrent theme. A lot of trainees are so happy to move to the country, they just sign up for a flat or a house somewhere without really knowing much about the area. Now, some of us work in inner city areas where how do I put this politely? We work in areas where we probably wouldn't want to live ourselves because of whatever socioeconomic problems happen around there. Some of the IMGs have ended up living in these areas, which doesn't really help. So I had a trainee who was living, so one of the issues as well, because he couldn't get his first choice in VTS training. He lives in London, but he got the Bradford scheme. Right. So this guy was commuting from London. Yes, he would he would go down every Friday, come back on a Sunday, and he had a tiny one room house share with four other people. Oh. In a, I know, in a place that really wouldn't help an ST3 to prepare for exams. So sharing a kitchen, sharing communal areas dodgy wi-fi bad neighborhood i mean these are things which we probably could have helped a little bit with by giving advice by signposting to the right places i mean i know we can't partner up with say an estate agent for example because that's not what we do as doctors but we can send them in the right direction we can tell trainees go and speak to these people and find out about the area choose a more suitable flat 
so accommodation is, a, is an issue. Some of them live in hospital accommodation, probably because they start the first post there. Uh, those seemed better because they had a social network of other doctors they shared with, sometimes from their own country as well. So what we realized was those who lived in hospital accommodation seemed to have a slightly better experience than those who private flat hired. However, those who lived in hospitals still had the same problems. They were isolated. It might not be your friends necessarily. Your spouses and family members were not here. They had to wait for them to come. So accommodation on the whole is an issue. And I think by talking about it, we may be able to help. If you don't, if I didn't have that conversation with my trainee to understand where he lives and how that is part of the problem, I wouldn't have been able to help. So we came up with plans where he would stay in the surgery for as long as possible, use the Wi-Fi here, give him keys to lock up if he needed to, come in early if he needed to. So it turned the practice into like a second home. And then he only went to his flat to go and lie down, you know. So, but you wouldn't know this if you didn't ask. Some trainers don't know where their trainees live, don't realize they're living somewhere unsuitable, don't realize they have to take two buses to come in because they can't drive. So anyway, accommodation, adjusting to the culture, adjusting to NHS systems and primary care. So some of these doctors are amazing. They've done some incredible things in their home country. Some have delivered babies by candlelight. Some run rural hospitals on their own. Some have done amazing stuff, but then they come here and they struggle because on the first week of night in A&E, they haven't been taught how to use the blood gas machine or they've never used the computer system. Or These are little things which then knocks their confidence, makes somebody else think they're a rubbish doctor, word gets round, yet another IMG who's not good at his job. And then these reputations follow them throughout the placement when really all this person needed was for just a bit more of an induction to specific to the role they're going to perform. Understand that they are very competent doctors, they just have a different skill set and try and get them to understand our systems. So it's not just the NHS systems or primary care with our computer systems, but the culture itself. I mean, God, the, the, the language, British English is, is diverse enough. It's so different from region to region. So imagine somebody coming from another country trying to understand Yorkshire. I mean, it took me ages to understand some of some of the slang. So the culture, um, homesickness and social isolation. Yes, some come from countries where you might go a few weeks without seeing anybody from your home country. You might be working with other foreign doctors, but you're not seeing people from your country. And I think we could do a lot more setting up social networks, WhatsApp groups, community groups, you know, to get the trainees to mix with each other, get ST1s to mix with ST2s and 3s, people who share something in common, just so we, they can all learn from each other and help towards alleviating some of the homesickness and social isolation. And through all of this, it led to issues with well-being, mental health, work stress, because if you're having all these problems on a regular basis, it can affect your learning. And, you know, as educators, we have this Maslow's hierarchy of need where you can only really achieve higher learning if everything else is sorted. If if the basics are sorted, like food, clothes, shelter, you know, accommodation, warmth, feeling safe, having your partners, intimacy. These are all things that help you to learn. And unfortunately, a lot of our IMGs are lacking some of these things.
Those are really good points. And it's very interesting that a lot of the themes that you've identified in speaking to other IMG trainees, they reflect these similar points. So it sounds like this project is is touching on very important topics and hopefully helping trainers come up with solutions for, for trainees. You mentioned earlier that one of the key uses of of such a form is asking these probing questions on behalf of trainers. I wanted to ask you, what have you noticed are common difficulties or challenges faced by supervisors in supporting IMG trainees in their initial transition? That's a difficult one. So I'm still trying to figure out what the issues are. But already we've identified some issues. First of all, traditionally trainers were not really digging deep into the lives of the trainees because, like I said, it was a standardized thing. You turned up, you did your six months or a year, and then you left. Most people were of a similar standard. If the work was going well, there was probably no need to dig deeper into what was happening at home. Mm. That was fine. But these group of doctors are different where we really need to find out what's going on outside of work, which may be affecting what's going on at work. And I think, uh, I don't want to speak for all trainers, but I think these conversations can be difficult sometimes, especially if you're worried about cultural sensitivity or how to address certain questions without coming across as ignorant or borderline offensive or racist. Some doctors might find it difficult to ask probing questions. But the way we've asked the questions in the questionnaire makes that easier because you don't have to ask the question. You've got the answers in front of you and you can just talk about the answers. So it takes away the asking the questions about who are you living here with? Have you got friends in the UK? Is your family with you? You know, things like that, which you might find too probing. You don't have to ask it. We've done that for you. You just need to look at the answers in the questionnaire. So I suspect there is some inertia or there is a difficulty in engaging in some of these deeper conversations sometimes, probably because we don't spend enough time to get to know the trainee as such. And it's just difficult to use tutorial times or debrief times to, oh, by the way, uh, you're married, is your wife here with you kind of thing. It's difficult. Whereas our idea of using this is at your first or second or third tutorial, you use this form as the topic for your one hour teaching, where you look through this questionnaire and just talk about everything to do with the trainee and give them the opportunity to ask you similar questions. They might want to know about your life too. They might want to know what your story is and and what makes you tick as well. And I think this offers a good conversation starting point. I agree with you. Stories are are very powerful and they bring people together. And that was the idea with coming up with this podcast project. It's learning from other people's story and invoking that curiosity in our audience so that we have more of these conversations around our IMG colleagues. You've touched on it slightly there already. But I wanted to ask you, what are the key differences from an educator's point of view in approaching supporting an IMG trainee in contrast to a non-IMG trainee? Well, I think, again, I'm not generalising because my role, I realise there are some British trained doctors who have problems too. And there are some IMGs who don't actually need any help or support. So it's difficult to generalise. But broadly speaking... 
British trained doctors, like I said about the systems, they're used to the systems. They've done the house jobs, the F2 jobs. They already know how a lot of these things work. They know how to write reflections in portfolios. You know, they've been made to do that already at a previous stage. They're used to the computer system. So some of these bread and butter issues are already sorted out with British trained doctors. So the IMGs have some of these problems in addition to what we've already talked about. The fact they've, they've not done foundation jobs, don't really know how the system works, don't know what an ST means, don't know what a health visitor is. You know, these are all things that are unique to the way we work. So the differences are that largely the British trained doctor is already aware of most of what we're doing by the time they arrive in GP land, whereas the IMGs are new to it. Some of them are new to GP as a specialty because it doesn't exist in this form in their home country. So there's a lot to learn about the systems, about how to fit in, let alone before we even start looking at nice CKS guidance, there's a lot that we already have to sort out. So it can be more challenging, but, but it can also be more rewarding because like I said, I've learned so much from some of these doctors and the things they've done in their home country are not things I could do. I could never deliver a baby by candlelight, but some of these guys have done it, you know, and some of these guys have run hospitals. I don't think I could run a hospital. I mean, it's hard enough running a GP surgery. So it can be more difficult, but it can be more rewarding if it's done properly. If you have these conversations at the beginning, it can make it easier for the placement if you really get to know your training. I guess there's something there to be said again. We've talked a lot about primary care today, but it's a whole different kettle fish when you go when you go into secondary care as, as an IMG as well, isn't it? Because it's a completely different system. Bringing it back to the Hello My Story is project, where do you see it moving forward? I think just judging from last year's and looking through this year's, I think it's something we need to do with every cohort, and I think it should be here to stay in its current format or however it evolves, because it standardizes these questions. It removes the need for the trainer to ask these questions if they seem a bit personal. It removes the need for the trainee to have to volunteer this information in any other setting. When, you know, filling the questionnaires in your own time at home, it's probably easier for people new to the system and new to the country than a face-to-face -face interview where a trainer might ask these questions. Bearing in mind with a lot of the IMGs, they still come from a system where there's a hierarchy, where the trainee and the trainer are not friends. There's a, there's a large gap and the trainee would never be able to go and have a personal conversation with the trainer as such or the, the clinical supervisor. So it's trying to get them to work slightly differently that look, trainers and trainees can be friends. We're on the same level. There isn't that hierarchy that you used to have in your home country. You can approach us fill this form, come and let's talk about it and we'll get to know a lot more about you. So hopefully it should help with that process. That's brilliant. There's something about this form creating that safe space that trainees can, can divulge however they want in whatever words they want to use. It's the GP school you're focused on, but it would be really good if we could bring this across potentially to other specialties across the region. Let's stress that. Another thing we thought might have discouraged people from filling it was because they didn't know where it might end up. 
So again, talking to lots of IMGs, there is this healthy fear of authority or anybody asking questions. Again, it might be cultural from countries people are from, where if somebody is asking you too many questions, you feel like you shouldn't answer these questions. So we feel there's some of that going on. So we need to stress this form is purely private between you and your supervisors. We, the GP school, get a copy just so people like me can analyze it. But that's all we're doing. We're not taking it any further. And you don't have to put a copy in your e-portfolio either. Now, lots of trainees are worried about personal stuff on the e-portfolio for various reasons, including legal cases and stuff. So you don't have to put it in the portfolio. It could just be a document. You could just print it out and give it to your trainer, or you could just share it with them at the time. It doesn't go anywhere else. So we want to stress to trainees, fill the form because it's not going anywhere else apart from to the GP school. That's a very important message. Um, to close off this episode, I'd like to ask you two questions. And my first one is, what advice do you have for new or incoming IMGs? Ah, um, without sounding cliche, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. But it's going to be hard work. There will be some things to do. Look, it's hard work being a doctor anyway. Most of you have already achieved that. This is just an extra step. This is another thing you have to do. You have to fit into the system to make it work. You have to find ways of absorbing as much of the British culture, getting to know the British people, the systems, the language, everything in order to fit in and make it work. Otherwise, it won't work. I'll give you an example. I, a few trainees ago, I had this Pakistani female doctor who at home, she would watch Pakistani TV, she'd listen to Pakistani radio, go to the local Pakistani shop and just mix with local Pakistani people. Now, without sounding offensive, I said to her, how are you going to absorb the British culture if you're not removing yourself from this group? Now, I know we talked about homesickness and uh, groups and belonging, which is fine. You need to belong to groups, but you need to remove yourself out of these groups. You need to listen to English radio, watch British TV. How else are you going to learn these things? Learn the language, speak English at home. And eventually she understood what I was saying. And by the end of her placement, yes, she was listening to Radio 4. She was speaking more English at home. So we just need to have these conversations. So to my IMGs, look, it can work if some of us could do it. So can you. But it will be hard work. And you just need to put in the hard work to achieve the results. But you need to keep asking questions. You need to talk about yourself. Let your educators know exactly who you are so we can help you. We need to know what the issues are so we can help. But it is possible and everything will be all right. That's a really powerful message from an educator such as yourself as well. And there's something there about the importance of challenging yourself and embracing the culture and everything else that's going around you, even the food and the weather. <laughs> And my last question is, what advice do you have for educators to IMG colleagues who have recently moved to the UK and the NHS? Uh, so to my fellow educators, it is hard work. Look, I'm not going to pretend the normal job is hard enough. Having a, an average British trained trainee is hard enough. So these are these are extra things we may have to do, but it will yield the rewards. So. I would suggest all trainers get to know the trainee. We do it all the time with consultations. We try and get to know the patient 
what really makes them tick, what their issues are, what they really want from us. We need to do the same with our IMGs. We just need to know them, have conversations, personal conversations, have social events, invite them to your house. Some IMGs have never been to a white person's house, for example. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, have them around your house, have them know about your cultures. That's the only way it will work. You can't treat all trainees the same like we have been for decades. It's not going to work. It has to be an individual tailored approach to each trainee. And that can only work if you know them. And getting to know them is possible with this questionnaire, Hello, My Stories, because it answers loads of questions that you might want to know about your training. That's excellent. That's a very important point there about it being a two-way street between the trainer and the trainee. That's lovely. Thank you, Rob, for sharing all of this today. And thank you again for your time. And I really appreciate it, your, your flow of, of delivering um, this podcast and your messages today. Do you have anything to add before we finish up today? No, just thank you. Thank you for involving me in your project, your podcast. And I hope many people get to listen to it. And yes, tell all your trainees to fill the form. <laughs> we'll definitely make sure we um, we share the link to that form in this podcast episode as well. Thank you very much and take care. Hello again and thank you for listening to this podcast. The introduction and ending music is called Happy Day by Stock Music and was obtained from Pixabay. I would appreciate any feedback from you as a listener. Please complete the feedback form in the link attached to this episode and feel free to drop me an email or reach out via Twitter. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have found this episode valuable in improving your knowledge around topics relating to international medical graduate doctors and their transition into the NHS. Goodbye for now.